Welcome to Trek Companion episode 33. I am your energetic host, Brian. I am Adam. I'm Steve. <laughs> no last names today. Uh, you started it. <laughs> today we're going to be discussing uh, DS9's fifth season, Soldiers of the Empire, Children of Time, and Blaze of Glory episodes. And uh, let's do it. Soldiers of the Empire, Season 5, Episode 21, Production Number 519, Original Air Date, April 28, 1997, Written by Ronald D. Moore, Directed by LeVar Burton, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include David Graff as Leskett, Rick Worthy as Cornyn, Sandra Nelson as Tivana, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, J.G. Hertzler as General Martok, and Scott Leva as Ortikon. General Martok receives orders from the Klingon High Council to search for a Klingon vessel the Bamoth, missing near the Cardassian border. The mission will be Martok's first since he escaped from a Dominion prison. With the help of Worf and Dax as ship's first officer and science officer, can Martok overcome his mental imprisonments and become the Klingon warrior he once was? Worf, son of Moog, I ask you to join me on this mission. As my friend. And as my first officer. Now... One thing I say on this episode is, uh, I think they should have retitled it "How Martok Got His Groove Back." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was kind of weird. It, was, well, it seems like we haven't had a Klingon episode in a while. I know we had him like early on in the season, but it seems like War's been kind of just hanging around. Like the last several episodes, he hasn't been a very big character. So, yeah. Now, what was the, did this episode have a B story? No. I don't think so. I think we have kind of a couple in a row here like that. It's weird. Yeah. So not really, didn't didn't have a B story, uh, but it did at least, it started off on the station. <clears throat> um, this episode came from a kind of a mandate Ira Bear gave Ron Moore, Ron Moore being, you know, kind of the chief Klingon guy at this point for, and had been for many years, um, that he wanted like the Star Trek Klingon episode. And um, it, it maybe misses that mark just a little, but I almost wish they could have come up with a way to not even open on the station. Like the entire mm-hmm. thing would have just been on the ship. <laughs> um, and having Dax on there, it, it does give it this like DS9 flavor somehow. Um, yeah, she's she's the most Klingon, non-Klingon ever. But um, I think you could have even gotten more extreme. You know, you could have done, you could have all been on the Klingon ship. The whole episode, not even had Dax, but... Uh, that's talking about what it wasn't uh, for what it was. <laughs> Steve, what did you think of it? Um, I, um, I liked it. Okay. You know, I, um, I thought it was fun. All Klingon like that. I, I, I thought it because it didn't have a B story. It kind of kept you in that, in that. And so it made it kind of a unique episode that way, you know? So it, this it, is it, an example of an episode where we liked that it. it didn't have a B story. We thought it worked uh, that way. I think, I think it seems like we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think, I think, um, I don't think this is a great episode or anything, but I do think it's cool. I think that uh, if they had a B story, especially a B story that took you back to the station and had nothing to do with Klingons, I think it would kind of defeat the purpose of the episode, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. um, um, so I, I like it okay. I think it kind of it almost like resolves too neatly. It's like okay, so Martok is kind of, yeah. I don't know, kind of an impotent character whatever you want to say and then at the end he he's back and it's all i don't know you know you know what i'm saying it's kind of yeah 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 
Um, I like the idea of like um, what Dax says in the beginning, you know, there are weak Klingons and there are strong Klingons. Yeah, that's an idea that we've never really introduced before. So that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, More you know, like they should. You know? Well, they showed their, you know, the weakness. Martok, he obviously has this, you know, this weakness from being imprisoned. You know, this imprisonment has affected him in, in many different ways. You know, obviously he's physically um, defective, you know, his eye. And, you know, and then you get a look into his, um, you know, his mental state. And it's not that he's not Klingon, really. He's very timid. And I like that idea. You don't really get to see that a lot, in, um, especially in the Klingon race. I mean, we see it a lot in different characters and from the human side, but... Well, this, this episode was, was, for the most part, it was popular with, um, it was received well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Ira Bear was always, he, he talks about it like um, it wasn't quite as good as he'd hoped, and he has an interesting reason for that. Now, they go out of their way to give you, like, character from all the other, you know, the, the other principal Klingons on this ship. They really try and establish them. You very quickly get, okay, this is, this is the old guy, this is the young, you know, action-y, upstarty guy who's who thinks the ship is cursed and you know you've got a few different players like that and 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 then there's the 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 Klingon woman that's that's um uh, you know very uh, idiosyncratic and 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 that that works but maybe the problem is that none of those people are none of them are like Klingon Klingons you know mm-hmm. like the only like Klingon Klingons other than say, Worf, who's a regular, we're not going to count him, and even he is an ostracized Klingon, we know his differences, is the only one that's really like Klingon-Klingon is Martok, which doesn't make sense because he's the one who has the problem in this episode, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you end up feeling, you, you end up feeling like it's an episode that's designed to be the Klingon episode, and it doesn't have the f- true Klingons inhabiting it. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, think- or maybe it's just that all those those side characters, you know, they're all because we know the ship uh, has had all these losses and they're all down in the dumps. You know, they're not yeah. being like Klingon Klingons. <laughs> so it it doesn't quite achieve that sense of uh, being the definitive Klingon episode because it's not full of definitive Klingons. Mm-hmm. I, think I, think, what, I think that's what Ira Bear is getting at anyway. I think possibly, um, you know, because at the end, you know, we see them, we see the bird of prey turning around and about to go into battle. And we don't really get to see that battle. We get to see Martok regain his Klingon-ness <laughs> with his fight with Worf, but we don't really get to see that. The, the, I think it would have been beneficial to this episode to see them actually in battle and getting their victory because they set it up the whole episode. They haven't had a victory at all, at all, at all. It would have been nice just to have that battle scene at the end of it for a little bit more resolution. Yeah, it does seem like a stretch to say this is our this is our Klingon episode and and not show them blow anything up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just yeah, that's just it. I mean, all the that variety of characters you described and all, you know, all the their idiosyncrasies and so forth. Yeah, if you had a Klingon series, that'd be cool to have characters like that, but when you just have one chance to really show that kind of thing, it's a little too far that direction. You know, you don't have don't have enough Klingon-y yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, the lack of a battle at the mm-hmm. end there, it, it makes it feel like, you know, it, it, it tells you that the climax of the episode was Martok getting his groove back. Um, so that makes it feel like the episode was about Martok, you know. Um, and again, it's just one more thing that kind of detracts from from what maybe was the goal. So maybe, mm-hmm. if nothing else, a battle at the end would have kind of made it less about Martok and more about the crew. Uh, I'm not sure. Just all of them together. I mean, because they're not really separate. 
I mean, they, they both have their, you know, issues. Martok, they both, are, they've kind of forgotten how to be Klingon. You see all the, the crew, they're like, oh, we're going to get beat. You know, you never see Klingons like that. Like, oh, we're, we're going to go into battle and we're going to die. We're either going to run away or we're going to die. And um, yeah, I think it would, like we've been saying, it would have been helpful to see them overcome. But on the other hand, the- what you what you had talked about a minute ago, Caesar, uh, that is the one unique thing in this episode that I kind of like. I, I like seeing, you know, like what Dax was talking about. There are weak Klingons and strong Klingons. You oh, know, I agree. I like giving them. I, I like that we see that side of them. Uh, maybe this wasn't the best episode to do it if we're trying to do this Star Trek Klingon thing. But well, you know, I don't know. It almost feels like we're. We're kind of down on this. Um, <laughs> no, we're just questioning it. I like yeah. this episode. I mean, I, th- I thought it pulled off what they wanted to pull off. I mean, but we're being critical. And, you know, obviously in hindsight, you can you say, know, oh, you go this way, you go that way. It would have been better. The feel this episode's going for, you know what it reminded me of? And, and I don't think it's even the primary story in the episode I'm thinking of. But, okay. We've always said on this on this show, we have, on, the, on Trek Companion, we have one thing that we consider a spoiler from DS9 that we will not say what it is. Something that everyone knows happens at the end of season six. After that, there is an episode where Worf and some other people go on a Klingon bird of prey because of what happened at the end of season six. Mm-hmm, I'm trying to mm-hmm. talking around it. You guys remember the episode I'm talking about? Yeah. That episode that gets the feeling that I think this episode is going for it and does it a little better. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They learn from their mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, overall, you know, is it fair to say Klingons are the are 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 the most popular aliens? It's funny because yeah. every time I watch a Klingon episode of Star Trek, you know, because again, my wife hasn't seen much Star Trek, but she's been watching DS Nine with me. She loves the Klingons. She's really hmm. nuts about. She loves Worf and she loves all Klingon stuff. So I've been telling her, you know, you got to watch some of Next Gen because mm-hmm. you know, that's where Todd Moore really got the Klingon stuff going. Um, but anyway. Even back through the original series movies in, into Next Gen and um, now DS9 and stuff, is, is it fair to say that the Klingons are still probably the most popular as a, as a species of yeah. humans, humans? Yeah, I would say um, so. Maybe not the most popular, you know, like individual characters, but as a species, yeah. they're still incredibly uh, popular. Um, so uh, from that point of view, you know, uh, this episode is... It's the only thing I can imagine them doing. You know, could you imagine them trying to do, if this is the Star Trek Klingon episode, can you imagine anything else set up so that it's, if we were going to do an entire series of that, this is it. You could say that about this episode, but I, I can't even imagine them trying that with any other species. Does no. that make sense? Yeah, you know, I agree. You could be agree. like, we're going to yeah. do the Star Trek Vulcan episode. Oh my God, it would bore me. <laughs> <you. laughs> Um, so from that point of view, from the, from the point of view that if that's what they were going for, they at least got far enough that I could see it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, then it was, then it was successful. Um, uh, yeah. If we're going to get, are we getting into what it's about? Yeah. Let's do that. What do you say? Well, um, like I said, I think it's overcoming your, your mental, like I said in the synopsis, it's the mental imprisonment that, um, that Martok, when you know your your emotional and your mental ailments that are that are keeping you from being who you are, and we see that. I think they pulled that off in this episode with Martok. It, it, you know, this episode has some flaws, but I think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. 
And so that's kind of what I think it's about. You know, if you look at the crew and Martok back and forth and yeah, they, they overcame, they became Klingons again, if you will. Yes. And I totally agree. That's what it's about. Um, Now, Steve, uh, you talked about, they wrap it up in a, an awfully pretty bow at the end here. You know, Martok mm-hmm, gets his mm-hmm. groove back and everything. Um, and the crew is uh, um, successful, et cetera. And because they introduced this problem at the beginning of this episode, and they solved it at the end, which, you know, we, we've talked about that a fair amount in talking about the S9, that sometimes that's what holds it back, is we don't have consequences from episode to episode. I think because they tried to do that entire bit in this one episode, that's what kind of makes what it's what they're going for, what it's about, miss the mark just a hair. You know, I think if I think if they'd said, I don't, I don't know if we really needed consequences after this episode. You know, I think the feeling that a, I mean, a Klingon, you know, Martok's Klingon again. That's he's Klingon again. You know, I, that's mm-hmm. just how Klingons are. I don't think they waste a lot of time going back and forth and having to psychoanalyze things. But I do wish, you know, it would have been nice if we could have had a hint that he had this problem prior to this episode. Right. That, that's what, yeah, that, that's, that's sometimes how things can be contrived, you know, a little bit yeah. is when this happens because we've, we've seen Martok several times since the old imprisonment thing. And I, I personally didn't get any kind of vibe that he was, I mean, you, you got to know he's got to have some kind of trauma going on with all that, but I got to know vibe that he had a problem and then all of a sudden he does and then it's fixed at the end and we, that's it, you know? So it's, yeah, it's a little odd and kind of, kind of not so interesting, not so big or whatever well, well it makes it less compelling you know if yeah, this was yeah something that had come up a couple times earlier then yeah you know i will say i really liked i really liked the scenes in the cleon commissary i'm not sure we've seen one of those before by the way <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I really like some of those scenes you know the, the dax stuff in there and then the um the old Klingon. he says that thing those bits about um how you can at least respect the cardassians because they're mm-hmm. fighting for their home and 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 it's an honor to kill them, but you can't respect the Jem'Hadar because they're just programmed to fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and that's why they'll beat us. That's why they're, they're, they're going to break us like they broke Martok. You know, I, I, I like some of that scene. I like some of the, those, that writing in there, mm-hmm. uh, that contrast that's set up. And they, they make me believe that some Klingons could lose the, you know, their will. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, anything else on this one, guys? It's interesting to know that the Klingons have a ready room, too, and that Martot uses Engage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are some Picard similarities in there. I didn't see a fish in there, but he does spend all this time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if they made it, like, tongue-in-cheek? Like he's got some strange aquarium with a bizarre-looking fish. He drinks some, the, the equivalent to Earl Grey, Klingon Earl Grey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Six degrees for Soldiers of the Empire. Adam. Yes. <clears throat> Rick Worthy plays the Cornon, or excuse me, plays the Cleon, uh, Cornon, the uh, weapons officer that believes the Rotaran is cursed. In the Voyager 2 parter that ended season five and began season six, Worthy played an officer aboard the USS Equinox. Why was the Equinox under attack by nucleonic life forms? Um, they were using the life forms as some sort of energy source to 
get back to the Alpha Quadrant. Is that what it is? That is correct. They were they were like killing them and then turning them into some kind of fuel so they could go super fast warp and get home in a few months. That is correct. And we're going to do something we never do. Just because both of the people I'm asking about here did roles and other things that I couldn't help but mention I really wanted to. So here's a bonus, and this is worth a point, bonus question for you. Uh, what character did Worthy play on the Ron Moore David Icke Battlestar? The character's name. The Ron Moore, ba- the, the same character, I just answered a question about. Who did he play in Battlestar? Yeah, Rick Worthy. Oh, hell. <laughs> Give me either one of his names on Battlestar. Either he one. He was a Cylon, which is... Oh, my God. Oh, you're making me blank. I haven't thought about Battlestar in a while. I've been all in DS9 universe. Um... <laughs> And Steve, well, Steve can't steal this because he hasn't yeah, Steve won't know. He can steal it, but he won't know the answer. So <laughs> I have started watching it, but uh, did? yeah, yeah. Oh nice. my god, we got to talk about that. All right, <laughs> man. Uh, okay, I'll let you. I, I, since, I'm embarrassed. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say I, don't, I can't recall. Okay, do you do you know Steve? Since I don't, I don't no. know. Uh, Simon, number four. Okay, Pathetic. Steve. Yes. David Graff plays the older Klingon, Leskett, who believed there was honor in killing Cardassians, but not the Jem'Hadar. Graff, Graff also played a friend Noonan in the opening of Voyager's second season. He had been the navigator for a small vessel. Who was the pilot? Oh, yeah, that's that guy. Um, so that'd be Amelia Earhart. Very good, Amelia Earhart. All right, so we got one-to-one. Steve, here's your bonus question. Name Graff's character from the Seven Police Academy movies. <laughs> well, um, I can I can picture it, but it's just been too long. I think I don't uh, not overly familiar with it. So, yeah, no way. I don't know. Uh, Adam, do you know? Yeah, there's no way. I've, I don't remember last time I watched a Police Academy movie. Tackleberry. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, recognize it. Outstanding. So it's one to one. Children of Time, Season 5, Episode 22, Production Number 520, Original Air Date, May 5th, 1997, Teleplay by Renee Acreveria, Story by Gary Holland and Ethan H. Calk, directed by Alan Croker, music composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Gary Frank as Yedrin Dax, Jennifer S. Parsons as Miranda O'Brien, Davida Williams as Lisa, Doran Fine as Molly, Brian Everett Chandler as Brota, Mary Beth Massett as Perel, and Jesse Littlejohn as Gabriel. While in the Gamma Quadrant, Dax insists on investigating a planet surrounded by an energy barrier. But the barrier cripples the Defiant and causes Kira to be mortally wounded without medical attention back with to be mortally wounded without medical attention on Deep Space Nine. To make matters more complicated, the crew discovers a colony on the planet, and the leaders, Yedrin Dax and Miranda O'Brien, reveal the crew of the Defiant are the founders of the colony of eight thousand people. What's gotten into you? There's something I want you to know, something I've wanted to tell you for 200 years. I love you, Norris. I've always loved you. One thing I learned from this episode, because, you know, let me start off, of course, by saying I like this episode a lot. I remembered liking it. Uh, people who've been listening to this podcast have heard me talk about this episode, and I remember saying recently, I hope it's as good as I remember, and it was. I like this episode a lot. And a good episode makes you look into yourself and it makes you think about what would I do in this situation, you know? Mm-hmm. What kind of person am I? And the one thing I'm positive about 
is that if I only had a few hours left to live, I would not spend it planting. <laughs> <laughs> what would you be doing, Brian? Not planting. <laughs> not planting in a field, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys think of this one? Yeah, I really like it, too. Yeah, yeah it's a, yeah, it's a good episode. It's it's clever for a for a time kind of a pseudo time travel episode, which they can kind of which can be really screwed up. This this one they did a good job on. Yeah, I think I think it's the deal is that it's is it it's a good premise and it's done well. You know, obviously yeah. the, either way it's can go it can get screwed up. You know, you can have a some something pretty boring can be executed well or something that's a good premise. We've seen several times where they just don't pull it off, and this they do both. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's a wonderful setup. You know, mm. what a great setup. It gave them so many cool opportunities. Um, and, and also, the, the timing of the episode as far as within the span of the series. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an episode where if they'd done it in the first season or even the last, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have meant so much. But right smack almost in the middle here, we're, we're near the end of season five, um, it really lets us kind of see... Uh, where the characters have come from, you know, where they're going. We get this, I mean, obviously the biggest thing out of this, of course, you know, is the, the Odo Kira stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Odo tells, the older Odo tells Kira that he loves her. He tells the young Odo that he told Kira. Um, so now those two know. Um, and that kind of changes everything because Odo, the character was, was, was you know, our Odo was... Uh, he was too young, maybe, for most of the series, too young emotionally to act on these feelings, even whenever maybe he might have considered it. Kira was always uh, busy mm-hmm. with someone else. And, of course, they opened this episode with, yep, I'm not seeing Shakar anymore, which is a, a funny way to turn that off, but fine, good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, yeah, another and, thing, that they haven't really even hinted at it, you know, like in the first couple of seasons, there was always an episode or two, like, that kind of hinted there. There's been no like episode for a while, so they just kind of slap it on you right in this episode. Yeah, it's really the only way to do it if you're going to go forward with that. I mean, we don't want to waste a waste a bunch of time seeing them together so they can break up. That's silly. So, <laughs> what are you what are you guys talking about exactly? When when he first comes on there? No, no. What I'm saying is like um for 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 a long time now we've seen um Odo kind of in his going his own way. You haven't seen him pine. You know, for a couple seasons we kind of saw him pining for Kira, and then mm-hmm. um at least the last episode, last season or two um he we haven't seen that. He's kind of gone. He's kind of been growing on his own. You know, he's yeah. become solid and that kind of thing. And there hasn't been this <clears throat> Kira X factor involved. And then you know, right at the beginning well, of this episode, bam, they bring it back. You got the sense from a few episodes back, Simple Investigation, where he had kind of his first sort of relationship with a woman that maybe he had moved on. Um, but I I know some people maybe didn't care for the Odo Kira stuff, um, but I always kind of liked it because, I don't know, you, you know, you find those those characters that maybe sometimes it's somebody that you identify with, or maybe it's just somebody that you want to identify with. You know, mm-hmm. I think if I, if I could be anybody on this show, it probably, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess it would have been Odo. I, um, so he's the kind of guy that I wanted to root for, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. him to find happiness and I, and once you've established this, then anytime he's not with her for the rest of the damn series, it's, it's a little bit sad. You know, every time you do anything with her character, put her with someone else to do anything like that, 
then you cut to Odo and it's sad, you know? So mm-hmm. I always kind of wanted them to, to bring this back. I was really glad when they did. Um, and I talked about during Simple Investigation how I felt it was a deceptively important episode. And again, that's this is the exact kind of episode, Children of Time, that you couldn't have had without Simple Investigation. So without those kinds of setups, which is why you couldn't have had this episode so early. But then also giving them an opportunity to set up so much of the rest of the series, which is crazy considering the 8,000 people in this episode by the end of the episode <laughs> never existed. Um, mm-hmm. But the way they set up the the uh, the Odo, Odo Kira stuff and give them, you know, they both have this knowledge now going forward. What are they going to do with it? Um, that, that's that's cool and it's exciting. And it's one of the cool byproducts of, of such a smart setup that we get out of this episode. <clears throat> um, we get lots of time uh, seeing how these characters react, um, seeing uh, their descendants. Um, the most interesting questions from here, right right off the bat, is as soon as uh, you find out, which is a really cool way to start an episode, by the way, too, you beam down and, hi, my, my last name is the same as yours because I'm your great-great-great-grandkid mm-hmm. or something. That, that's, that's a cool way to start an episode. Um, but right off the bat, there's the, um, you know, Cisco says, well, now that we know what happened, obviously we can avoid this accident, you know, and um, the other Dax, whatever his name is, uh, says, no, I've got this plan. We can make it so that two uh, Defiance uh, will be created and you guys can go and you'll also be staying and we'll all be here and everything will be fine. And then Cisco says um, to our dad, Jadzia Dax, look over his plan. If it's sound, then we're going to implement it, you know, immediately. Your first thought when you hear that line to me is, and what if it isn't sound? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to spend much of the episode kind of deciding on what's the right thing to do. Is it fair for them to um, decide to leave the planet safely and, and, you know, end the existence of these 8,000 people and the generations that came before them and their potential future? Or is it the right thing to do um, to recreate the crash so that these people stay alive, but then everybody obviously on the Defiant never sees their families again? <sighs> Lucky for us, it ends up so that they go back. Otherwise, it would have ended <laughs> before it even started its sixth season. Yeah, the, the series would have went in a dramatically different direction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so much. There's so much. There's so much deep depth to this, and things that you can ponder. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. What was interesting one is that basically it seems that Cisco's decision making had basically had to do with everybody has to be cool with this. You know, like everybody has to be cool with staying and leaving their lives behind because and basically it, what and, came and down it's to it's not even okay for me to talk somebody into it. They got to get there on their yeah. own. Yeah. yeah, because it was basically O'Brien was the holdout. Now, we don't know about all the other – obviously, right, there are people yeah. we don't see, you know, but out of the main bunch, there's that. And then the other thing was that, that none of the uh, the metaphysical aspects weren't even addressed, which I think is fine because you don't have time for it and what interesting. But the whole notion of – say you could – say the original plan was sound, so the notion of splitting up people, well – uh, who am I? Do I get to leave or yeah. do I get to stay? Well, yeah. You know, I don't even go stay. there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was ca- I was counting how many Daxes that um, Cisco has met in the whole series. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's at least, there's almost one every season. Um, what did you guys think of Yedrin and that whole um, 
that whole kind of because he's the one that we get to know probably the most. And does he represent Dax? Does he does he yeah, feel like he, Dax? So his, the performance of that 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 actor was okay. I I didn't hate him, but I didn't I didn't love him. He didn't quite sell it for me, but he, he was fine. But I, I kind of noticed him performing in a way that turns right, me off. I guess right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, another thing that was kind of an interesting thing to ponder they didn't touch on, but again adds depth to it. I think is the notion of so essentially you have when all said and done, 200 years has passed and really you have two people that could really relate that are still around and that's Odo and Dax that we don't get any notion as to their relationship, but you know, what would it be like for, to have that much time pass and those two people are essentially still around and could converse yeah. about the past and stuff. Well, one of the things that I, I was sad and, you know, the DVDs, when they released them, they never gave us any deleted scenes for any mm-hmm. you know, deleted scenes for Star Trek episodes or yeah, that just doesn't ever happen. We got something on enterprise, didn't we? Maybe. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, but certainly nothing else ever. Nothing from DS9. And I they they shot but cut for time some some cool um, when um, Odo and Kira were walking, including where when Odo where Odo talked about that he lived with he lived with the colony for like a hundred years or so until almost everybody that he was good friends with died off, and then he spent like a hundred years as a tree, (laughs) you know. But it's it's like in some calm believable kind of way and you think about how um he found this meaningful existence kind of on his own and and you know it's a shame that they lost some of that stuff mm-hmm. um well that's actually my, my my favorite thing out of this episode I, I talked about that before but this sense of of odo the evolved um calm you know uh, person um, it's kind of where we're going to see him at the very end of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't know, I talked about. Well, that's that. an interesting uh, question. Go ahead. But that, I, well, I'm just saying that. I mean, you know, well, that is an interesting question. You know, you kind of have to ask how how evolved was he to sacrifice that colony, that eight thousand people. I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't evolved. He didn't have some sort of frame of mind for what he was doing but he had to know what he was doing how he was erasing one that moral question so yeah. to me that kind of brings it to where we need to end up is what it's about because i don't know what you guys feel if, if you're ready to talk about that yeah um but for me and i mean you could say a lot of things here because you talk about personal sacrifice and you know because the choice has to be made but it kind of it, to me it's like the ultimate romantic notion because really what it comes down to is it's the it's the opposite of the good of the many outweigh the good of the few it's the yeah. it's love rules you know you know the one person or whatever that that overpowers you know the rest nothing else matters i mean that for from his perspective you know yeah so the so the older odo chooses to sacrifice those 8000 people um so that the younger odo has a chance at love mm-hmm. with kira um both Ira Bear and Ron Moore had some very interesting things to say about this. Um, Ira Bear's thought was that if it was another Trek series, they they couldn't have done it, you know, because it was pretty crazy that one of your principals basically did that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and Kira and and I love that there is that moment, by the way, at the end there where you see, you know our o, young Odo tells Kira he knows that she knows that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold carrots all the time <laughs> um, but <clears throat> rather than them share some kind of emotional moment really he point he tells her that older Odo you know caused the flight plan to change 
these 8,000 people were erased so that they would have a chance. Um, and she is so taken aback by that. She's really like, oh my God, you know, I, I was willing to sacrifice myself for those 8,000 people. How did he have a right to do it? You know, so I love that they kind of, you know, at least in that scene, there's no going back to, let's get back to the part where we're talking about love or something. No, <laughs> She's, it's pretty crazy. So uh, Ira Bear pointed out that the other series, they could not have had, you know, um, one of their principals pull that off, um, take that action. And Ron Moore made a reference to original series sitting on the edge forever. And, you know, in that episode, Captain Kirk chooses to save the world instead of his love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in this episode, children of time, Odo (laughs) chooses to basically destroy the world for his love of this one person. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that just to me is kind of the richness of the universe we're talking about, you know, is, is that, and the complexities of life in general, if if both of those things can be so moving, you know, both of those things can make good episodes and be interesting, interesting morals or interesting notions to ponder, you know, you know, I, I wonder if it was the younger Odo, I don't know that he would have made that decision, that same decision, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's something about, uh, the older Odo's experiences and his age and his, and this time he's had to think about, about this and it's grown inside of him. It's almost like regret for never having said anything, you know, and the fact that he says to Kira, if I had said something back then, would it have mattered? Would it have meant anything? You know, and she says, maybe Mm -hmm. if she'd said no, you know, her to say maybe right then is a pretty safe answer. Maybe it wasn't yeah. even true. Uh, <laughs> you know? So, it, very, very interesting questions. And I, and I, I like that, oh, that Cisco has that line about nobody, no one has the right to ask someone to sacrifice themselves. Not even one person for any number of people. Um, Steve, that's something you were talking about a minute ago. <clears throat> he has to let them make this decision themselves. So it's, it's a, it's a very good episode. You know, I, I definitely, definitely holds up. These are, these are, um, uh, worthwhile questions to kind of ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on this one? No, I think we kind of covered it about the meeting. I agree with what Steve had to say. Excellent. <clears throat> Six degrees for children of time. What's our score, by the way? We got one to one, right? One one. Yep. yep. Uh, Adam, going first or second? I'll go first. Jennifer Parsons plays Miranda O'Brien, one of the inhabitants of um, Gaia that greets the crew of the Defiant on their landing with the surprising news of her lineage. In Voyager's pilot Caretaker, she plays an Ocumbin nurse that gives Kim and Torres Torres uh, herbs that she hopes will help them. What's wrong with them? Um, they had been captured by the caretaker and had DNA taken from them to see if it was compatible with the caretaker. Yeah, he was kind of trying to breed with them, I think. <laughs> In a weird, strange way. Yeah, that's two, two to one. Uh, now, this is, a, I know this one's a little bit of a stretch. This is like six degrees or six degrees behind the scenes, <laughs> but I, I had to reach for this. Okay. Uh, Mary Beth Massett plays uh, Perel, a pseudo-Klingon and Morse descendant. Mary Beth is married to Patrick Massett, who played Duras in Next Gen. Duras hmm. was killed by Worf in the episode Reunion. Why? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me. There's such a big story with with them that let me make sure I think mm-hmm. about the. Oh, oh, he. Oh, ultimately, uh, he um, he killed his woman. That's right, Kalar. He yeah, woman. he killed Kalar. Yeah. yeah, very good. We're at two to two. Blaze of Glory, Season 5, Episode 23, Production Number 521, Original Air Date, May 12th, 1997. Teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and Iris Stephen Bear, directed by Kim Friedman, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Kenneth Marshall as Michael Eddington, J.G. Hertzler as General Martok, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, and Gretchen German as Rebecca Sullivan. Martok shows Captain Sisko a message to Michael from the remaining Maquis Terrace. The war with the Cardassians and the Dominion have almost wiped out the Maquis, but now they have launched a counter-strike that would kill millions of Cardassians and possibly bring the entire Alpha Quadrant into a war with the Dominion. Finding no leads and seeing no alternative, Sisko goes to Michael Eddington, the former Starfleet officer turned Maquis leader, now in prison. Let's get one thing straight, Captain. I'll get you to the launch site and I'll help you deactivate those missiles. But then you and I are going to have it out, once and for all. You want to fight, mister? I will give you one. I don't intend to fight you, Captain. I intend to kill you. Yeah, I'm curious, guys. Of the three episodes we're discussing today, Children of Time, Soldiers of the Empire, Blaze of Glory, rate this one. Hmm. I liked it. I liked the, I mean, I liked this whole little storyline. It's kind of like a B storyline in the whole scope of um, DS9. You know, I think there's... <laughs> what, three episodes that kind of deal with this? We have the initial betrayal. Then we have, like, um, him catching um, Eddington. And then this one is kind of the conclusion of this little three-parter. I think I'm, I've got... There's only three episodes, right? Or am I missing one? Well, I think that one was a two-parter, but yeah. Okay. We'll count it as one. But I just meant... I, um, I'm curious. Of the three episodes we watched this time, this was the one that... Uh, wasn't quite what I'd remembered. I and mean, it's not bad, but I remembered liking it more, or, or I remembered it feeling bigger than it was. Mm. Okay. No, watching it now, I was like, man, they, they're just sitting on a shuttle talking for half of this episode. Yeah. And that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. The gameplay between the two of them got a little old. You know, the- I guess partly because we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, they, do, they do have some interesting conversation. It, they've. For example, I like the discussion about how um, he said, uh, Eddington tells Cisco, you set the McKee up, you set us up for slaughter. Um, we had the Cardassians on the run, you know, and Cisco says, and they ran right into the arms of the Dominion. You know, I, I like, we, we kind of knew all these things before, we did know all these things before, but I like kind of spelling them out and really getting a sense of the universe and how... The McKee really did have this effect, you know, and the way that they affected Cardassia just enough that Dukat was able to get in there and, and take over and sign the pact with the Dominion. And, you know, I, I like this this feeling of um, the McKee storyline, for better or worse, had a, a large impact on, on the Trek universe. And, you know, and all that stuff is, is, is good. And I, I enjoyed that conversation um i kind of wish they would have got to it sooner they did a lot of this you know game playing you know it's kind of like yeah garrick garrick does it much better i think they could have done away with all that and just had that really 
more more of the meat to it and more more in the ending i kind of got you know after the whole initial you know when he goes to see him in the the prison and they kind of have that mm-hmm. game plan and then they take it and then they, then they have another scene that's kind of similar on the shuttle where they're having this game who's telling the truth who's not, you know <laughs> it's um i think they could have at least done away with one of those scenes and got into it a little faster steve yeah, I was pondering that when you first said, you know, basically question of what do you like better, Blaze of Glory or Soldiers of Empire, and uh, um, it's it's hard to say because they kind of have different different issues with them. You know, I think for me, I think Blaze of Glory gives there's things you can gives you things to think about. There are because you know it comes down to all this notion of okay, who's what's who's betraying who, lose loyalty, yeah. all this stuff. Um, so a lot of things to think about, but yeah, I also, I'm also not a big fan of a lot of talky stuff and there's certainly, it's certainly very talky and that gets kind of tiresome in the, in the, and during the middle part of the episode and such. Yeah. You know, as much as they wanted to talk, ask these questions about, you know, that we had, they were successful, these questions about whether or not he was a traitor and stuff. Um, like the very end, the scene between Cisco and Dax, that, that stuff's interesting and, and I think it's valid and it's the first time we kind of hear him say, at, we hear Cisco asking these questions about whether the McKee were really right or wrong, and and saying, you know, in a way that, in a way, he was the complete opposite of a traitor um, because he was for these things. But it, it felt kind of tacked on to me because if I put that conversation up right next to some of the other things that Cisco had said in some of the other episodes, I don't know that it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of easy for him some to the say very that. Things he's said to, yeah, it's easy for him to say that now he's dead, right? But it's some of the very things he said to Eddington kind of contradict that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think you I think you yeah I see what you're so saying. Maybe I they think were you trying can kind of get hard to give it yeah an about when we ask on, on this show we ask what an episode is about, and sometimes when they try and force the meaning onto the episode and it, it feels that way it feels grafted on you know yeah. and and if this was a standalone thing completely really truly okay i think you can get away with that 100 percent. but it isn't it's like what caesar was just talking about you know it's mm-hmm. it's a continuation of a storyline mm-hmm. um we've had uh questions about eddington's loyalties and whether or not he was right to do the things he did we had for example clearly established in the last episode um that he he wanted to be it was more like he wanted to be um a martyr he wanted to be the captain of this ship and stuff he wanted to have in, in the very first time you know he wanted when, to be the hero he wanted to be the hero right the, the episode the first one where they exposed his his dual allegiance when he um stole some replicators or whatever you know he he wanted to be uh, in this position that he was never going to have with starfleet and that goes all the way back to uh, the adversary, when he says, you know, everybody wants to be a captain, nobody wants to be an admiral or security chief, really. Um, and th- and that, that idea, for example, seems entirely contradictory to say he was he was totally honest and that he was fighting for what he believed in. Well, I thought he believed in, he just wanted to be, <laughs> he wanted mm-hmm. to be on the ship, you know, that's, that's not what he believed in. You know, it helps a little that we introduce the wife, that we introduce yeah. his wife in this episode. That gives him, uh, you know, makes him a little more human. It gives his his purpose and mission, more humanity to it, but we never had that before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Um, we find out, I think, in this episode that he married her like two weeks before he was arrested. So he certainly wasn't married to her when he first um, 
uh, turn to uh, coats, right? So, mm-hmm. well, we were we were talking about. I mean, the last episode was pretty cold. You know, both of both Cisco and Eddington did some um, pretty um, was lack of a better word, scandalous things. You know, they um, especially they, Cisco. Yeah. I mean, so um, so the last episode was really cold. It was <laughs> you come away with it going, "Damn, dude, these two don't they, they hate each other," um, and you yeah, really and, and, you and believe. I believe- hated him that much so much that it seems disingenuous that at the end of this episode he doesn't hate him yeah you know so again by itself okay but but in context of the other ones it doesn't quite yeah Yeah, i seen and that's what i was talking about i think they could have they could have taken some things out of this episode and added gave given you something to resolve their 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 situation before because basically there was no really resolution of the relationship between Cisco and Eddington that was really that deep and meaningful, but um, and I, I kind of wish they would have went there because yeah, of that. Did yeah, mm. yeah. I understand. I understand the notion of we want to let's kill off this character or whatever. Let's wrap this. Um, and I think the unfortunate thing is the the prior episode in this arc or whatever was better, and so you're kind of left. You know, it had more to say and it was more interesting with what they did with the characters, and so you're kind of just like. Okay, it's like this blew an episode just to kill him off when it's not yeah. didn't have a whole lot interesting or different. You know, and if they if they are saying different things, the one that's going to stick with me is the better one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, I agree. You know, funky um, communication systems aside, uh, the last one was was much much better and more consistent. Um. And this this one feels, you know, you talked about this, Caesar. You said this entire storyline is kind of a, a B story for DS Nine, but the way they play the A story in this episode, it feels mm-hmm. like a B story in a way. I guess is I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, they're just they're just wrapping this up. I mean, oh, the and last episode was called for the uniform too. I had to look real quick. We've been referring the last episode. By the way, cause, naming this episode Blaze of Glory, if you had any question the first time you saw it, whether they were going to kill Addington at the end, <laughs> it's called Blaze of Glory, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's right in the title. Yeah. I do like that they finished off this storyline. You know? Um, uh, there was nowhere Bear, else to go with it, really. Just well, Bear talked about how he wanted to kill Eddington because they had so many damn storylines and story threads going, and they needed to finish some off before the sixth season. And I like that, you know. Um, I appreciate that they wrapped up one of these threads, but um, well, let's talk quickly about the uh, B story in this episode. Uh, you know, Nog stands up to Martok. Um, it's you know, it's a little bit throwaway, but I always I always remembered it. Mm-hmm. It's amusing. <laughs> I feel like I remembered it better than the Eddington stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about well, so we talked about what it's about, but we've said, you know. Is asking these questions about whether he was really a traitor. Well, what does it mean to be a traitor if you're fighting for what you believe in? Um, is that really still a traitor? But but all these things they feel like, as I've said before, they it, the meeting in this episode feels grafted on. And the second you do that, um, I a I default to the better episode that dealt with these questions mm-hmm. for the uniform, mm-hmm. and b um, it makes the episode not hold up as well so the so then i start once i'm not into the characters what actions and things um i start noticing things like man they've been on this shuttle talking for 10 mm-hmm. minutes i start noticing things like um 
the way the the plot goes from set p set set to set and and it starts to feel plotty and I don't know. They should have put some... Garrick in this episode. The Garrick should have went with that them. That was needed better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, honestly, you talked about the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they were they were trying to do it. To me, it reminded me of like a Garrick. That's all he yeah. does. He'll he'll lie, right? Garrick, he doesn't lie. It's all subtext. He'll have a conversation about something completely different that's actually about this, or he'll tell you a half truth that has just you know. Uh, See, anyway, <laughs> we're gonna get to see Garrick soon, and I'm sure we've gone over time on this episode. Uh, anybody else got anything? I, you know, I, I'm bagging on this episode. It feels like, but I want to remind our listeners, as we've said many times, at this point, we really are gonna like pretty much all the episodes. You know, yeah. I, I like this one. It's, this episode is the weakest of the three we've discussed today, but it's, it's still, still it still serves a, a, a nice purpose in uh, the continuity of DS9, yeah. you know, and, and there are plenty of things to like about it. Ken Marshall is great. He's a great actor. You know, if, if there's anything that sucks from this episode is that, you know, you're not going to get to see him again because he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does have the kind of charisma that you need to stand up next to Cisco for 10 minutes on a shuttle. A lot of people couldn't do that. They, they should have put him in the alternate universe as well. He'd been a good character there. <laughs> well, they could have given him a glaive. <laughs> all right we're done with this one yes okay moving on six degrees for blaze of glory our score is two two i believe yes Yes, it is okay uh steve first or second first (laughs) that's a week Uh, here The establishing shot of the star base that Eddington... Oh, yeah, again, I'm, I had no nothing to do real regular six degrees in this episode. So, sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, the establishing shot of the star base that Eddington is being held in is a reuse from what? I thought it was a almost mm-hmm. laughably obvious reuse. Because it doesn't even match the rest of the shots surrounding it. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I noticed it was odd-looking, but I don't know that I can... Um... Yeah. Give you one hint because that does a, It's from a movie. Yeah, I figured that. Um, how's about Star Trek Three? No. Con. You're right. What's the name of the station? I do not know the name of the station. Well, I think you got it though. It's it's the regular one from uh, Wrath of Khan. Ah, right. right. Um, where the Marcuses is, <laughs> are. <laughs> All right, uh, three one. Look at that. Three two. Three two. That's what I said. Three two. All right, uh, Caesar. JJ Hertzler returns as Martok. He twi- he twice played a changeling impersonating Martok. Um, in how many episodes did he play the real Martok? And it's um, multiple choice. Fourteen, eighteen, or twenty two. This is how many times did JJ Hertzler play the real Martok? I'm going to so I'm going to say eighteen. No. Embry, Adam, or Stephen Embry? Uh, 22. You are correct. So we're going to go with ding, the ding, ding, ding. Outstanding. Gentlemen, the next time we discuss Star Trek, we're going to be finishing uh, TS9's fifth season, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is very exciting because it means after that, we're into season six, my favorite season. <laughs> Bring on the war. Yeah, it's got so many, just one after another. Bam, bam, bam. So many good episodes. I can't wait. 
So we're going to be discussing those last three in uh, of uh, DS9's fifth season in two weeks. We're going to have a guest for a couple of those episodes. Be the, the, it'll be the final of our um, uh, listener guest hosts. Um, gosh, I feel like, you know, a wait. It's been, <laughs> in season six, I can't wait. It's great. No, nothing. Yeah, well, that's been it's, this has been a good season. Yeah, I'm ready for six. You know, get into the get into the war. You know, they've been they've been leading up to it for six seasons. Mm-hmm. This whole whole thing. So yeah, we really get into the meat of it. That's another thing. We're gonna we'll have a quick uh, season five wrap up next time mm-hmm. as well, guys. Okay. Well, <laughs> I bet my wife a dollar that we could get done in an hour. Mm. <laughs> I think we made Ka-ching. it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spend it all in one place. Spend it all in one place. All right. So thank you guys so much for listening. Oh man, you know what? There was one other thing I wanted to do. Give me just here. You guys talk amongst yourselves quickly. Hurry. <laughs> I wanted to thank um, iTunes user Synth S I N T H as well as iTunes user Trees T R E E C. Both of these people so wonderfully and generously left us awesome reviews on iTunes and we really appreciate that because when you leave a review on iTunes that helps other people find us we do not do this show for money we do not put any ads on this thing Um, the show is a lot of work and we do it because we love doing it and the only thing better than doing it is that we get to share it with people and we share it with you guys and when you guys leave those reviews, it makes us feel good and it helps other people find us, which makes us all feel even um, better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So thank you two uh, that I just mentioned for leaving those reviews. And if anyone yeah. else, any of our other listeners would love to leave reviews, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, and in addition to that, leaving us a review on iTunes, you could contact us um let's see on facebook that's facebook.com slash trek companion you can follow us on twitter at trek companion send us an email trek companion at gmail.com and um we'll see you in two weeks see you guys see ya Bye.